0: Welcome to the new chemist podcast.
1: Bienvenidos al podcast del nuevo químico.
2: Calosirza de esto podcast to new chemist. Welkom bij de podcast van FinuChemist. Chemist. Bienvenue sur le podcast du Nouveau Chimiste.
0: Bem-vindo ao podcast du Novo Químico. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. Work hard. Be value-driven. You can do it. You can grow and learn it. You can be the difference you and your community needs. Don't give up. We are here rooting and cheering for you. Don't give up.
1: Travaillez dur. Soyez axés sur la valeur. Tu peux le faire. Vous pouvez grandir et l'apprendre. Vous pouvez être la différence dont vous et votre communauté avez besoin. N'abandonnez pas. Nous sommes ici pour vous encourager et vous encourager. N'abandonnez pas.
2: trabalhar duro, seja orientado por
0: valores, você consegue, você pode crescer e aprender, você pode ser a diferença que você e sua comunidade precisam, não desista, estamos aqui torcendo e torcendo por você, não desista.
2: Να σκληρά. Να οδηγείτε στην αξία. Μπορείς να το κάνεις. Μπορείτε να μεγαλώσετε και να το μάθετε. Μπορείτε να είστε η διαφορά που χρειάζεστε εσείς και η κοινότητά σας. Μην τα παρατάς. Είμαστε εδώ για να σας ζητοκραυγάσουμε. Μην τα παρατάς. A. Hey, an adaptation. A. Hey, a. Hey, no consternation. Once upon a time there was a professor who had to princes his name, Namio Structurio and his brother Reactivio, Acidio and his brother Nuclear Felicio and his brother Electrophilicio, Equilibrio, Stereochemical, Sterical and his brother Electronico and a Ejo Each prince was more complimentary than the but they all in the mine town called Organico Chemical. One evening when, during the mystical week known as Finale, they all came together to compete at the Yeli Games. Nemo wasn't necessarily a, a political person who voted for the PLP, aka Principal Locantine chain Suffolks. Principal Locantine Structure competed in the dance competition, showing his routine independence and online forms. React Studio participated in the track competition, particularly in the race called the Kinetic 500. A Studio and Bass Studio competed in the meditation competition. With nuclear stretching the files and electrical serving as to capture for the chair leaders. Equilibrio participated in the annual shotgun fencing competition. Furthermore so of chemical participates in the art competition focusing on the 3D drawings. Chemical and Electrico being first rivals compete in the rowing competition with Jericho winning at points and Electrico winning at points. The boat race is still ongoing. Luigi or competed in the Mafia competition. These princes still compete today and the story continues. Hey, hey, hey.
0: Welcome to The New Chemist. We're glad you're listening. Feel free to download this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Here on The New Chemist, we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as careers, community research, and COVID-19. We're happy you're tuning in. My guest today is Mike Zott. Thanks for joining me today. It is good to hear from you. Just briefly, I'll inform my audience about you. Mike Zott is currently a graduate student at California Institute of Technology. He is studying in Algerian Chemistry. He graduated from Georgia Institute of Technology. Mike has received the Resnick Fellowship and the National Science Foundation Graduate Research Fellowship and numerous awards while at Georgia Tech, namely, the American Chemical Society's Undergraduate Award in Physical Chemistry, Peter B. Sherry Outstanding Senior Award in Chemistry, Dr. William H. Ebhardt Memorial Scholarship, President's Undergraduate Research Award, and Nettie's Family Scholarship. He speaks both Catalan and Spanish. A hardworking young person and a future leader in the chemical sciences. Please welcome Mike Zolt. good to see you thanks for joining me today yeah yeah, no problem so my first question for you is what has been some of the most beneficial advice you have received
1: Uh, I think the most beneficial advice I've received at least in the context of I guess the the greater purpose of our discussion which is talking about chemistry and kind of the way We interact with world as chemists in the way that we think about the world as chemists is essentially like kind of the the advice that's pretty general like never give up and keep on trying if you get knocked down you have to get back up again and i think in the context of chemistry this is probably the most important advice i've had because when you're doing research most likely your experiment is not going to work Probably out of 100 experiments you do, maybe like depending on which exact field of chemistry you're in, like 50 of them, 70 of them, 80 of them will fail. So really for me, I think the most important thing has been being told and being affirmed that failure is normal and that you just have to keep working and try again.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's important to persevere. So. Do you have any advice for those wanting to pursue the field you are currently working in?
1: Yeah, I would say my advice for someone who wants to be in chemistry is that they need to really seek out people who can give them guidance. Mm. I think you shouldn't wait for someone to say, like, let me help you. I think you have to be really proactive. Kind of like you've been doing with this podcast. You're reaching out to people. You're seeing what's worked for them and their... careers, and especially lots of chemists, you're reaching out to them, the people who have experience in the field and you're seeing like what made you successful, what worked well for you. I think you really have to look around and find a mentor who can, or mentors, multiple mentors who can really help guide you in your path because there's a lot you can miss if you're trying to walk the path alone.
0: Okay, so would you say mentorship has played a, lot, played a large role in your development as a chemist?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, that's good, that's good. So, why did you choose chemistry as a field to major in in your undergraduate years?
1: Yeah, so initially I chose biochemistry, which was
0: okay.
1: kind of motivated out of, um, like I, I like chemistry because it's a mixture of kind of applied science and then also fundamental science. Okay. It's called the central science often. And I chose biochemistry because I liked the relationship between the chemistry side and also kind of like the more medicine type side. I didn't want to be a doctor, but I thought it was really cool to see how chemistry and different like therapeutics can help the body, how you can like heal humans using the knowledge of chemistry. But as I progressed in my study of chemistry, I got more interested in things that went beyond just like chemistry interacting with humans, but just chemistry interacting with the whole world which is kind of how I shifted more towards inorganic chemistry where I was interested in how chemistry in humans using chemistry, either as chemists or as people driving cars or using plastic materials, whatever it may be, interact with the world. And I really liked how inorganic chemistry could help shape the way we interact with the whole world.
0: Okay, so what do you mean by that? Um what, what specific ways, uh, or, or even more, to be more, even more specific, what specific area of inorganic chemistry is your research centered around?
1: Yeah. So, my interest in inorganic chemistry even surpasses just my research. I'll, I'll talk about both, I guess. Okay. In terms of, like, in general, inorganic chemistry, for example, like all of the plastics around us, most of them are made using inorganic catalysts. Plastics play like a huge role in our world and this has been like our development that happened within like the several decade time span that was really important, a really important contribution from inorganic chemistry. Also if you look at like a lot of the like industrial feedstock chemicals that we use like like ammonia is one that's central to our research group because ammonia is important for fertilizer and then as a nitrogen feedstock chemical. Okay. Inorganic catalysts are, like, necessary for providing more ammonia for both fertilizer and feedstock applications. There's also, like, hydrocarbon cracking. Mm -hmm. There there are all sorts of uh, different different industrial applications that really heavily rely on metal catalysts. So, inorganic chemistry really appealed to me as something that spanned so many different... uh, like areas of our life where we may not even realize it. Even just in your car, like your catalytic converter in your mm. car is inorganic catalysts. Yeah, in my own research, what's interesting, our group deals quite heavily in the nitrogen cycle, though we also look at other small molecule activations. I work for Jonas Peters at Caltech to um, provide some context. We work a lot in the nitrogen cycle and I work in the conversion of ammonia and nitrogen so our group historically studies the process where you take nitrogen
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: you convert it to ammonia which is called nitrogen fixation Mm -hmm. one of the most important industrial processes the Haber-Bosch process um but recently well not not even recently for decades there's been interest in using ammonia as fuel because ammonia is doesn't have any carbon in it So if you use ammonia as fuel, not necessarily combust, you could also use it like a fuel cell or some other uh, application. Using ammonia as fuel would be a carbon free fuel. And um, that's been something that people are really interested in recently because there's a lot of uh, push towards avoiding the carbon-based fuels because of concerns about global warming. But even more importantly, to me, like carbon-based fuels will run out. Like, that seems to be something that's hard to debate. No matter how much people may have different perceptions on the prospects of global warming, if you use up a resource, you will run out of it. And Mm -hmm. carbon-based fuels are hard to replenish. So you can either do research in replenishing carbon-based fuels, which is a really active and important area of research, or you can research alternative technologies that don't rely on the carbon-based fuel. So this could be like, capturing solar energy wind energy any of these things or storing that energy in different fuels one of which could be ammonia. so that's what my research deals with turning ammonia into nitrogen as a new carbon free fuel okay
0: that's good that's good so if you had to give along the same lines of advice and park career paths how have you been able to be um, so academically successful as a student, how? what would you attribute to your success? Or who or what process or pattern or lifestyle?
1: Yeah. I think for this question, it's really important to acknowledge my parents because my parents, I think having two parents who were really interested in my academic success was really helpful. Both mm-hmm. of them were, really involved in like like pushing me to study and really prioritize that in my life making that like really important for me not not like diminishing its importance and saying like yeah school's all right but why don't you focus on like all these other activities also like they did let me do other activities i played soccer my whole life um i ran track when i was in high school i did a lot of other activities but they weren't like forcing me to do anything. They gave me the the ability to make my own choice, Mm -hmm. but they imparted Mm -hmm. how important education was, which Mm I'm really grateful for because even though I really liked soccer when I was a kid, like it's unlikely you're gonna become a professional athlete, for example. Mm -hmm. So, and I also like suffered a lot of like injuries when I was doing sports Mm -hmm. where that would have like had a really negative effect if I wanted to keep playing sports. So like, I chose not to try to play sports in college because of injuries I had in high school. Whereas like focusing on academics, because my parents made me focus so much on, or didn't make me focus so much on academics, but made me realize how important it was. That was like a gift that I've been able to keep like across many different circumstances. So I think that's a really important factor in terms of making me see that it's important. Right. I think a lot of people, although to people like us who are like grad students or are beginning their their career as a graduate student, mm-hmm. it's, it's like obvious that education is important. I think not everyone is of the same opinion where they don't necessarily think it's that important. Okay. And I don't think education in the like college education itself is the most important thing. Like, I also think it's really important to have education for like, um, like more, like not college education career paths. So, like being a electrician or being a mechanic or some, skills. Other, some other skill like that. I think that's also really important. And yeah. I include that also in education.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, for example, uh, like in the Bahamas, they have different paths that students can take and one would be a strictly academic route, and there's also a pathway in which you can study at a technical and vocational institute. So yeah, both play a large role in development and providing job security and good opportunities for people to find work. So yeah. Um, how do you maintain a balanced life given all your responsibilities and accomplishments, or how are you trying to maintain a balanced life?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a kind of. I'm not a great person to ask about this because I <laughs> kind of, the way that I I operate is kind of like uh my the my PI he's told me many times like graduate school is America. Yeah. But my response to that question is that I'm a sprinter. When I was in high school school and I ran track, I was a sprinter. Like my mentality is always like to go fast. Yeah. So that's something I'm trying to work on a bit, like being more patient. Um, So I'm not really great with the whole balancing thing. Pretty much what I do is like I work really hard for a while and then after that I will rest for a while. And I okay. kind of go in cycles, okay. which is a fair strategy. But maybe the marathon strategy is slightly better. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm the best source for this question.
0: Okay, well, it's good. It's good to. I would say this: it's good to work and to rest. And the fact, the fact that you have found a way to incorporate both into your studies is very beneficial. So um how do you maintain vision and teamwork in your environment?
1: Yeah so I think that really ties in well with the last question about um, maintaining a balanced life in being a sprinter versus being a marathon runner. I think a really important thing is patience. Okay. I think patience has to be like one of the most important lessons I've learned in graduate school and I think it's what is of utmost importance in maintaining vision and teamwork, because when you work in a team, inevitably, people are going to want to work at different rates. They're going to want to have different thoughts. They're going to want to explore different pathways. You might disagree on which pathway you want to work on. Mm -hmm. So I think really patience is really important for Maintain vision and teamwork because you need to really be patient and see where the other people on your team are coming from Mm -hmm. you need to like really get in their shoes and see like how are they thinking about the problem like what are their thoughts on the problem not what my thoughts are on the problem Mm -hmm. what are my team my teammates thoughts and in order to do that it takes time and that means you need to be patient with the other people to figure out you know what their thoughts are
0: Yeah, I agree. Patience is very important. It allows you to be uh, considerate, conscientious, and to work collaboratively and effectively with people, especially in scientific environments. So, um, along the lines of environment, um, how have you sought or found the right environment for you to thrive scientifically and or intellectually? How are you finding that environment? or How did you find it?
1: Yeah, I think this is really something that just takes like personal experimentation. So for me, like the right environment for me to thrive a lot of it has to do with like when I work and how I work. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I figured out that I like to work like later at night. I'm much more effective when I'm working later at night. Mm-hmm. So being in grad school where I have a pretty flexible schedule, I've been able to make my schedule such that i can work in the hours that i'm more productive which is usually working later at night and uh yeah i I think that's the main thing i I don't really know about other factors maybe you have some other factors in mind that i could that you can bring up
0: um so you're basically saying you're basically saying personal experimentation requires some personal reflection and self-discovery and understanding yourself and how you fit into the environment yeah so yeah.
1: understanding how you fit in the environment is really important and it, yeah. it takes the two factors you have to see the environment mm-hmm. which is a factor but you also have to do the self-reflection which is really important you have to like actively ask yourself like is what i'm doing working
0: yeah i agree I, I completely agree because you know i've heard different takes on this after interviewing several people you know um, self-discovery is important. Self-reflection is important. Yes, finding a good environment is important as well. But, you know, sometimes you can complement to the environment becoming what you want. You can be a change agent in that environment, um, even as a beginning beginner or learner. Because, you know, I've interviewed other people and they've stated how they have complemented to creating the environment that they wanted to see or shaping the environment in the direction. A path that was aligned with what they value, thought to be true. So, how have you been uh, adaptive and creative in the field of science? What specific ways or areas have you been adaptive or creative in science?
1: Yeah, I think this question. I can't say that I'm necessarily adaptive and creative. What I'll say is that there's nothing new under the sun. Okay, I think the most adaptive and creative things i've been able to do that may seem adaptive or creative i think come from looking very vigorously at what's already known so in the context of chemistry there's there are so many papers that have been published over like say the last 200 years Mm -hmm. and there's been so much research by so many people and oftentimes small paths of investigation get forgotten because at that point in time, it wasn't clear how the different paths connected with one another. Mm -hmm. But if you look from our modern perspective now and you look really deeply and you say, I saw like all these different paths that people were researching at different points in time and now seeing all of them together at this current time, I see a link between them. I think finding that link between maybe these old threads of investigation is really an important thing that can be overlooked. A lot of times it's more exciting to try to find something brand new, but it's easy to find something new and creative from what's already known. So you have to really dig into what's known in the primary literature. And has been my experience in life.
0: Yeah, I agree because, you know, many times, many times people want to or some persons may want to work on something that's novel or come up with something that's novel but as you look back on previous literature um whether it be in a discipline in chemistry or a discipline in science in general as you look back at previous literature you can gain insight that can complement you um doing an experiment better or adjusting some type of parameter within the experiment so yeah i do agree that is very important um so How do you maintain a view of the bigger picture in your career and in your life in general?
1: Yeah, I think this question gets at one's worldview. Okay. My personal worldview is that I'm a Christian and I have faith in Jesus. For me, that's been, it's kind of a freeing thing because maintaining the bigger picture of my life, that is the bigger picture for me. So, I'm not tied to, like, being a perfect scientist or, like, being a new hero of scientists, like, trying to be the new Einstein or whatever your favorite scientist may be. Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't, like, although I do like to try to, like, strive for perfection, if Mm -hmm. I fail, that's not a problem. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't need to be perfect to like redeem my life. I just need to do my best and as part of my personal like philosophy which I think is tied to Christianity trying to be the best version of yourself and leave the world better than yes. you found it. Yeah. I think that um, even though that is my goal, if I fail, it's not it's okay because I don't need to be the best in order to be to be doing my part. I just need to. I don't need to be successful. I just need to be really doing my very best. In doing it. With.
0: Yeah, I agree because you know my worldview is based on my my Christian faith as well. And you know um, my understanding is you know as we progress and as we move along, we try and get better day by day. It's a journey, so you don't have to like arrive or be some perfect person. At the end of the day, we're, we're gradually becoming better. So yeah, that, that, that does play a large role. A faith perspective does play a large role. So as we conclude, what have been your longstanding interests in the field of science? If you had to summarize it in like two or three sentences, what have been your longstanding interests in the field of science?
1: I think now one of my long standing interests is uh, like conversion of fuel, like making a way for us to power a planet in a way that is better than our current systems. Okay. This relates to like one of, it's long standing in the fact that when I was a kid, one of my dreams was to have a Lotus Exige, this like fancy kind of niche sports car. Okay. But as I grew up, I came to see that I, th- I felt like a bad environmental steward if I were to buy a car that has 10 miles per gallon fuel efficiency. Okay. So, now I feel like I need to be working on, like, I still want a sports car, but oh, yeah. I don't want to be a bad steward of the environment.
0: Yeah, I understand. It's
1: just... it's, it's beyond that. This is kind of like a, like a trivial example and somewhat of a joke, but... Uh-huh. I think it's true. We want to maintain our lifestyle, but we want to be good stewards of the environment. Yes. How can we do that if we don't have technology that will allow us to do both? We, yeah. we, can't, do, we can't do both equally in our, the current state of our, our world. Mm-hmm. And our future generations won't be able to do it if there is no more fuel. So I, I see that as like a really, really important problem.
0: Okay, that's good, man. That's very good. Thanks again for joining me today, Mike. It was good to have you here.
1: Yeah, it was really good to see you. And it was nice.
0: Thanks for listening. We're glad you were able to tune into this podcast. Once again, this is The New Chemist, where we discuss chemistry,